everyone. I'm Robin Dawson. I've been teaching for 25 years, and next year I'm going to start a new job as a teacher librarian in a K-5 elementary school while completing my master's in library and information science. I also have an adorable two-year-old daughter named Olive, so life is always full of surprises and a little crazy at times. This podcast is to address the topics that are new to me and hopefully other students in the library and information science program or librarians new in the field. I hope you enjoy the journey and learning with me. everyone. In this episode of Journey Through the Library, I'm going to discuss makerspaces. My question was, makerspaces in the library, a waste of space or an interactive extension of reference services? I've heard the term from several librarians that I've worked with over the last five to six years. However, none of the libraries that I use my middle school library where I work, and my local public library in the small town that I live in have makerspaces. They, they just don't have them right now. So I really didn't know what, what they were. So this is my journey. What is a makerspace? Is this a good way to use the real estate in your library? Is this beneficial to the patrons in the library? Is it utilized? How would this look in a school library for my setting, for my new job that I'm going to start next year? Well, I learned so much through my research on this topic. First, let's start with what are makerspaces? I'm currently taking an intro to reference and information services class for my degree. The textbook that I'm using is References and Information Services by Linda Smith and Melissa Wonga. It states, quote, makerspaces in libraries are all unique, but the emphasis is on hands-on creation, often with technology, end quote. Caitlin Bagley, in her article, What is a Makerspace? Creativity in the Library, states that makerspaces are, quote, spaces for design and activities that both teach and empower the patron. And that word, empower the patron, is going to come up a little bit later in some other research that I did. And that really spoke to me because I think that's all of our goal as teachers or librarians in public libraries or school libraries or academic libraries or museums is to empower people and to help them learn more. This is so exciting for me. I love to create new things, so I continued my research. I discovered that this is a movement that has been around for over 10 years. Where have I been? Oh, yeah, that's right. I've been in the classroom teaching hundreds of students for 25 years. I forgot. So what makes a great makerspace? Grace Wong Lynch states in her article, The Littlest Makers in the, library, in the School Library Journal, that the Institute for Museum and Library Services, the IMLS, instead of creating a list of materials or a defined curriculum to follow, she states that, quote, 
The framework outlines skills that should be reinforced by makerspaces, such as curiosity, initiative, taking risks, identifying patterns, and persisting, end quote. She goes on to explain libraries and museums need, quote, to consider their own community's needs when developing makerspaces, end quote. So she, you need to know who your patrons are. You need to know who your community is, what their interests are, and what their needs are. Very important when developing these makerspaces. So then Lauren Barak describes makerspaces as a place to, quote, give children a way to stretch and grow, particularly if they stay focused on the process and not the final project. End quote. And she wrote this in her article, Plan a Great Makerspace. She continues to explain that you need to, quote, plan before you play, end quote, which is extremely important for having successful maker, makerspaces. Knowing your audience, knowing the needs of the community, and bringing those things to them so that they actually utilize what you have created for them. She continues, uh, excuse me, the editor-in-chief of the School Library Journal, who is Rebecca Miller, states in the May 2018 issue in her article, Make It Matter, quote, the application in schools and libraries has evolved rapidly, becoming more complex and holistic and embracing both high and low tech. I think this is exciting to get to know your patrons and create a space for them to feel empowered in their own process and their learning. I just can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on my new space and my new job. So what types of libraries or spaces utilize makerspaces? That's my next question. So through my research, I discovered that museums, school libraries in elementary, middle, and high school, also public libraries, and even academic libraries in secondary education settings. This was a huge surprise to me. I just thought that it would be public libraries and school libraries, but they're, they're popping up everywhere. And some libraries even have mobile vans that take them out into the community. Some are doing kiosks in malls for people to come in and do a makerspace. The library has a small kiosk. Um, they also are having makerspaces in boxes so teachers can take them back to their classroom and have the students use them. Or they can be sent home so that the parents and the family can get involved in the makerspaces. So it's all so exciting to me that it's just limitless. It's limit, limitless of what you can come up with to reach out to touch the patrons that you serve. So what are the benefits of makerspaces to the patrons? In the article, Maker Grows Up by Grace Wong Lynch discusses Thomas Parker's work on makerspaces and states Quote, Thomas interviewed more than 100 manufacturers, parents, teachers, and civic leaders. 
I don't need people to run machines, employers told him, end quote. I, and this is beginning of the next quote, I need people to solve problems. Then things go, to solve problems when things go wrong, end quote. This goes back to what Lynch discussed in her article, The Littlest Makers, that maker spaces facilitate curiosity, perseverance, cooperations, seeing possibilities, and solving problems. These skills make great employees. In the article, Making the Difference by Marva Hinton, she interviewed several students who have had experiences with makerspaces. It helped them realize what careers they would like to pursue after high school. One of the students stated, quote, they are also learning life skills they can carry into adulthood. Another student said, I could create something of value. I had something to offer, end quote. So it's empowering these patrons, these students. It's helping them define who they are and what their interests are and kind of opening up a new world of things that they didn't think about. Um, digital photography or 3D printers and so on. So that brings me right to my next question is, so what type of makerspaces are out there? We know they're great. We know they can be in all the libraries. We know that they spark creativity. So what specifically are some of them? So from my research, makerspaces range from building with recycled materials, digital photography, stop motion animation, coding, robotics, circuitry, 3D printers, to sewing, knitting, to art projects, and videos. It's just totally limitless. The list goes on and on. Laura Fleming stresses, quote, reflection is so important. What works, what doesn't work, how can I refine my space so that it continues to grow and evolve with my students, the school community, and the wider world that we're living in, end quote. And this was in her article, Pedagogy Not Passing Trend. And she's right. You've got to reflect. You've got to know who your patrons are. You've got to assess, is this being utilized? Are they benefiting from this? Is there interest in this? And taking those inventories and figuring out what, what do my patrons need? I know in the school library that I'm going to be working in next year, my patrons are not just students. My patrons are the students the teachers, my colleagues that I will be working with, and the students' parents and their and their possibly their grandparents or aunts. Those are my patrons, the whole school community, and also businesses within my town that could help us. I need to build those partnerships. They might not come to visit the library, but they're definitely partnerships that I need to build and have to better our school. So in conclusion, 
of all of my reading and research, I see that makerspaces, when done right, considering the community that you serve, can be wonderful, sometimes life-changing experiences. Caitlin Bagley explains that, quote, libraries are community centers and should think of makerspaces as places for our communities to gather and learn how to create and build together as a community, end quote. Caitlin McLemore discusses her, quote, design dean, excuse me, design den. That's what she calls her makerspace. She's done a podcast called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. And that was in episode 2.8. I highly suggest looking into that podcast. It was wonderful. She says that, quote, the library should be a place of ownership, end quote. The makerspaces can be simple or high tech, but to start small and to get to know your community. In my opinion, when done correctly with the input of your patrons Makerspaces are great additions to reference services. They can spark creativity and a sense of belonging within the community. Definitely worth the real estate. Thank you. And in our next episode of Journey Through the Library, we'll be addressing the next topic that I need to learn more about for my next job. I hope to... See you soon.